0: God's grace, God's mercy, God's Christmas peace be and abide with you all. Amen? Amen. Well, we're going to get into God's Word in just a moment. But before we do that, we're kind of in the in-between stage between Christmas and New Year's. And so what do you say? Do you say Merry Christmas? Do you say Happy New Year? Or as one of our students said, Happy Christmas? No. What would you say? Merry New Year? I think it was something like that, Merry New Year. And so, what do we say in between? Well, definitely we're in that in-between stage, and we'll take a look at Matthew 2 in just a moment. But before we get there, today is the Sunday right before New Year's Eve. And I'm sure many of you have plans for New Year's. It might be going out with family and friends. It might be staying home and enjoying New Year's Eve. It might just be watching the rockin' New Year's Eve on TV. Whatever your plans are, New Year's... 2020 is coming up. And so, at New Year's, people, a lot of times, people make resolutions. Some of us who are older don't make any resolutions anymore because we know we're not going to follow through. But there are others that make their resolutions and they follow through. But if you could make a resolution, a New Year's resolution, what would it be? If you had the ability to make it and fulfill it, what would it be? If you're close to somebody, turn to them and say what it is. Go. All right, I'm going to move us off of that real quick to jump into today because, as I mentioned, New Year's Eve is coming up, but Christmas was just passed. And I want to ask you three questions before jumping into the word. The first question is, what was the greatest gift you received during Christmas time? And Christmas time might be from Thanksgiving through Christmas and continuing on depending on when you celebrate Christmas. What was the greatest gift or event or memory you have from Christmas this year? The greatest gift memory or event from The holiday Christmas season, Thanksgiving to Christmas, that you had. Turn to the person next to you and share with them. Go. All right. Gonna cut you off. Think about the next question What was the most chaos, the most chaotic event or memory? of Christmas. What brought the most bedlam into your life? The most tension, the most chaos, the most bedlam into your life during that same period? And if you feel comfortable, turn to the person next to you and share with them what it was. Now, third And final question in just a moment. Because at the earlier service, when we talked about that, there were a number of us that were talking about gathering together with family and friends and loved ones was the greatest gift. But also, the greatest chaos was gathering together with family and friends and loved ones. And the two sometimes go together, don't they? And I was amazed at how many people shared that memory that they had. It wasn't necessarily a lot of gifts or toys or gadgets or gizmos. It was, in the earlier service, it was more gathering together with family and friends brought chaos, tension, and bedlam, but also it was the gift of joining together in that community and being connected together as a family. And just like we come here at Salem and gather together, there might be a lot of chaos in our lives, but we gathered together as a family in community and connected one to another in our faith and in the family of God and, and, and Jesus. Third and final question. If you were told and understood and believed that tomorrow would be the end of days, that the world would end tomorrow, and definitely before New Year's, before 2020, what would you do? How would you react? You don't have to share this with someone. But just if, if you were under the belief that tomorrow, or the day after, was going to be the last day for you on this earth, What would you do differently? I want you to think about that. How would your tomorrow change if you knew it was going to be one of your last tomorrows? Martin Luther said, I will go plant a tree because he felt that he was safe and secure in his prayers and in his worship of God, his teaching and preaching and what he was doing. So he was going to go about his daily duties and carry out his vocation. But I know others, when you hear a statement like, tomorrow could be your last day, you might start thinking about all the things that you want to do. Maybe it's your last time to go to Disneyland, or the beach, or the mountains, or learn how to snowboard or ski, or do something risky or creative. Or maybe it's a matter of, I'm going to share with my husband or wife, my child or parents, a loved one in the family about Jesus Christ and what Jesus means to me. It might be mending fences with the neighbor that is close to you, or someone who might be far away. Whatever it is, what does tomorrow hold for you? If you made a resolution based on taking risks to fulfill your resolutions because there might not be a tomorrow where is god leading you to go with all that intro let's take a look at matthew chapter 2 if you've got your bibles with you grab them if not grab your smartphone or look it up it's matthew chapter 2 and out of the manger of christ comes the word of god Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. And a little intro to take a look at this. We're going to take a look at Bethlehem, from Bethlehem to Bedlam and beyond. And that's what we're going to be covering this morning in the next few minutes as we hear a, maybe a familiar story. For some, it's an uncomfortable story. Because it deals with some very difficult times. Where is God in the midst of suffering? And today we're going to see where God is in the midst of our suffering. In the midst of our bedlam. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 and following. When they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. By the way, for those who don't know when they had gone, talking about the Magi, the wise men appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, took the child and his mother during the night, and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. If your footnotes show it, that comes from Hosea chapter 11, verse 1. Matthew loves to give us prophecies that are fulfilled here in the text that we're going to take a look at today are three prophecies that Matthew says are fulfilled in the birth of Christ and in his early years and so when we come to that first prophecy out of Egypt I called my son let's go back a a step before I hope that your Christmas was wonderful We had an amazing Christmas Eve service and with all the band and choir and helpers and volunteers and all the people coming together. And our campus and our Salem Center was full of people hearing the good news of Jesus. And then we gathered together with family and friends and we open up Christmas presents and we have a great time and we eat more than enough food. And we have a wonderful time of Christmas. And it's warm and cozy. Hopefully it is for everyone. Friends and feasting, it's wonderful. And it would be great, this side of heaven, to have a day like that always. But unfortunately we know, until we get to heaven, we're going to have difficult times. But a lot of us want to stay in Bethlehem. Maybe we want to just stay there, and as Talladega Nights says, as Will Ferrell says, I just want to be with baby Jesus. I just want to pray to baby Jesus. And we just want to sit right there in a comfortable position. It's warm, it's fuzzy, it's comfortable. It's Bethlehem, it's Christmas. But the Christmas story is interconnected with the visit from the Magi and also this story. They go hand in hand. We can't stay in Bethlehem all the time. We can't stay where it's warm and fuzzy, this side of heaven. And sure enough, as we find out in this story, Joseph is called to go on into Bedlam. Let's take a look. Verse 16: When Herod realized that he had been outwitted by the Magi, can you imagine that? Can you imagine how upset King Herod was? He was the ruler, he was the king. He was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in Bethlehem in its vicinity who were two years old and under, in accordance with the time he had learned from the Magi. Then what was said through the prophet Jeremiah was fulfilled. The voices heard in Ramah weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more. If you take a look at this Sunday in the church year and in the church calendar, there's three different artistic themes that come through. The flight to Egypt. Jesus leaving, carried by Mary and Joseph, leaving Bethlehem, the warm, comfortable confines of Bethlehem, and fleeing to Egypt. In order to save his life from King Herod. King Herod had heard that there was going to be a king who was going to overtake him. And King Herod was just ruthless, terrible king. He was full of jealousy and rage and envy and evil. He was a ruthless king. And we come to the story. He was kind of, in biblical terms, kind of another pharaoh. And if you remember back in Old Testament time, back with Moses, sure enough, Pharaoh had all the young males killed. But Moses was able to escape. And so too, here we have a similar story where Joseph carries Jesus out of harm's way because God says, I'm going to lead you forward. I'm going to protect you. Sure enough, Joseph flees to Egypt. And in art, there's all kinds of artistic renditions of Mary and Joseph and Jesus fleeing to Egypt. But the second theme that's going through here today is also known as the slaughter of the innocents. The massacre of the innocents. And I'm sorry, moms and dads, that we don't have Sunday school today. All of our volunteers are taking the Sunday off. And so all of our children are in here hearing this little story about the massacre, the slaughter of innocents. And that's a difficult story to hear. In the midst of the Bible, there's evil. Now God isn't doing the evil, it's King Herod who is doing the evil, because he wants to hold on to his power. He wants to hold on to his authority. He wants to hold on to his control and control others, and that's evil, plain and simple. And yet, Matthew reminds us that that prophecy was fulfilled because God was in the midst of the bedlam created by King Herod. Anybody ever wonder where the root word of bedlam came from? Anybody know? I'm going to share with you. Back in 1247 A.D., in London, there was a priory started by a group of nuns and religious leaders called St. Mary's of Bethlehem in London. And it was a religious gathering, a priory of of like-minded people women and they were gathering together for their religious duties and they wanted to serve and so over time their service turned into a hospital and by 1330 A.D. Saint Mary's of Bethlehem was a hospital that was serving the community but there was so much problems and chaos and bedlam going on in the world that, or at least in the London area, that they started focusing away from hospital and more towards people who were dealing with mental issues and insanity. And by 1401, St. Mary's of Bethlehem had been shortened down to Bethlehem, and in the Cockney accent of London, people called it Bedlam. And out of Bedlam, which was a hospital for the or an institution for the mentally insane that's where the root word comes from and sure enough king herod was probably mentally insane maybe maybe not but he was definitely politically insane that he wanted to control people's lives he wanted to control his own destiny Herod was so ruthless that he killed his wife. He killed three of his sons before he died in 4 B.C. So we know that this happened sometime before 4 B.C. where Jesus is taken into Egypt. And I think about that in our own lives. We want to stay in Bethlehem where it's nice and cozy and warm and comfortable. But we live in a tension, a bedlam there's bedlam that goes on all around us difficult times that we have to deal with financial issues political issues health issues medical issues I already said those two together relational issues life the trips and falls of everyday life its bedlam and where is God in the midst of that just like with Joseph and Mary He's right in the center of our bedlam. See, the greatest gift for Christmas wasn't just the little baby Jesus. It was 100% God coming to us in the flesh as 100% man. Both and. God incarnate. God in flesh so that he would know what we go through. We want to hold on to our Bethlehems. But God says, let me walk with you in the midst of bedlam. In the midst of the chaos. I'm the greatest gift, but I come to you during the most chaotic times. From Bethlehem to bedlam and beyond. Verse 19, after Herod died, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, get up! Take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel. For those who were trying to take the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child, Jesus, and his mother, Mary, and went to the land of Israel. But when he had heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. Which wasn't necessarily better because Herod Antipas... A son of King Herod, Archelaus's brother, was up in Galilee, but at least it was more of a crossroads where there was Roman influence, there was Gentile influence, there was, uh, Antipas was a little bit more moderate and wasn't as concerned about a king coming into its midst. Verse 23, And he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So was fulfilled what was said through the prophets, that he would be called a Nazarene. Now, just some quick notes here. We're taking a look at three different prophecies fulfilled. The first one, that section of the flight to Egypt, was out of Hosea, chapter 11, verse 1. And while it was said for Israel, Jesus becomes the embodiment of Israel, the church, us today. That out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of desolation, I protected my church, my people, you. And I provide for you. That's the first prophecy fulfilled. The second prophecy fulfilled is talking about Rachel weeping for her children and refusing to be comforted because they are no more, because there is a voice heard in Ramah. That's out of Jeremy 31, verse 15. And while it's talking about Israel, once again, Jesus becomes the embodiment of Israel, the church on the move. It's interesting, we think of Bethlehem as this wonderful, quiet little place. I read a story about it in 1939. I don't know if any of you have ever been to Israel or seen the Church of Nativity, but in 1939, the place that they commemorate where Jesus was born, there was a machine gun nest of the British army in its top levels. Because Jews and Arabs were fighting against each other and the Muslims were the police department in 1939. And all these were battling together in the midst of chaos and bedlam. Right there in the midst was the Church of Nativity. And we too, brothers and sisters, the Church of God here at Salem are placed right in the midst of bedlam where people around us want to follow king Herod rather than king Jesus and we're called to go from Bethlehem to Bedlam and beyond and that and the beyond part is that third and final prophecy that Matthew talks about here that he would be called a Nazarene now by the way there's No specific prophecy for being called a Nazarene. In the Greek, it's Nazarois, and it's the idea of taking two different words, a Nazarite, one who is set apart and who is holy, and Nesser, a word that talks about a branch. And it's that idea of a root of Jesse will spring forth, and a branch will spring out of the root. And sure enough, as we've talked about before, the root of Jesse, Mary's line, the line of Judah, Joseph's line coming together and that God has a plan to grow his church, his people. And so Jesus is a holy one set apart. But also Nessar gives the idea of humble. What good can come out of Nazareth? What good can come out of a little place? Think about a little place. Nazareth might have had a, maybe a couple hundred people. Can you think of any towns around here that might have a couple hundred people and what good can come out of it? I think, now I'm sorry if anyone lives in Majeska or Silverado, but that's kind of that idea of this little enclave. There's not a lot of historical or political or census interest in these little towns. OPA has more than a few hundred people, but maybe it's Orange Park Acres as well, this little cluster of people. And what good can come out of this little cluster of people in Orange Park Acres, East Orange, or Nazareth? A humbleness, a humility of service, is what Matthew is talking about. Jesus would be considered a nobody. And yet God, He is God, becomes the somebody that we all turn to. From Bethlehem to Bedlam and beyond. And I look at this story about God's prophecies fulfilled. In the midst of chaos and Bedlam, God is right there in the midst of us. There might be what feels like machine guns going on and police riots going on, but God is in the midst of our lives saying, I provide for you and I protect you. And when we talk about resolutions and what we're going to do tomorrow, we say, God, lead me forward. Lead me forward. Take me beyond. As I'm closing up, one of the things that, uh, that happened that Patty and I did is we went from green bubbles to blue bubbles. Raise your hand if you have any idea what I'm talking about. All right, for those of you who have no idea, how many of you have iPads or iPhones? When somebody sends you a text from a non-Apple phone, it comes in as green bubbles. Look next time, and you'll be able to see hey, Motorola's or, or uh, Samsung's or any of the other products come in as green bubbles. But once you're part of the iPad, excuse me, Apple community, and you're talking with another person with an I- Apple phone, it comes in as blue bubbles. And you share that identity, that connection, that community with other Apple users. Now the reason why I say that is because, as I've shared before, my phone is 49 years old in dog years. And yet, and yet, and it functioned. It functioned okay, but I would have to wait for a day or two to download something. Pictures and websites wouldn't come through And it was just painful. And I would give up and not use it. Now as I've turned the corner and become part of an updated phone generation, and as I learned the Apple, I was promised and told that I could download things and watch things and be able to be part of a community that communicates together. And I think about God with us. When God comes to us and says, you're part of my community. You're part of my group, my identity. In God's eyes, we become blue bubbles when God speaks to us. We might want to stay in Bethlehem And hold on to our green bubbles. We might want to be in bedlam. Maybe you don't want to be in bedlam. But we are in bedlam. And everything seems to not function well. But God says, receive me. Receive me as your Lord and Savior. Be part of my community. Be a blue bubble with me. And let me fill you with life and love and lordship. Let's go from Bethlehem to Bedlam and beyond, knowing that God cares for us, provides for us, protects us, and leads us forward with his purpose and his plan, always and forever. God bless you as you move as angels of mercy out into the community and share the joy and love of Christ with those around us. Amen? Amen. As the, uh, the band is coming forward, I'm going to invite the rest of us to... S- no, 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 remain st- sitting, those of you out there in the midst of everything here. Um, today I mentioned that uh, it's the five days of Christmas, so today is the fifth day of the twelfth day. From Christmas to Epiphany is the twelve days of Christmas. So there's five, fifth day of Christmas, what happens on the fifth day? What are we singing about Five golden rings. Okay, so today's story had five different rings as well. We had Joseph and Mary, and if you've ever seen pictures or artistic renditions, they always have a ring, a halo around their head. Right? We have King Herod, who had a ring around his head, a political, earthly, controlling ring around his head. It wasn't godly. It was evil, but it's still a ring. And there was a fourth ring there. Hark the herald. Angels sing. The angels were angels of mercy leading Joseph out of Bethlehem, out of Bedlam to Egypt and back to Nazareth. And finally we have the fifth ring. The crown of the King of Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. And so, brothers and sisters, this year, your resolution that I bestow upon you is to be the fourth and fifth rings of life. Be an angel of mercy to those who need it in your homes, in your neighborhoods, in your places of work, on your campuses, in your classrooms, and follow the King of Heaven, the King of all creation, Jesus Christ is your Savior and Lord. And may the fourth And fifth, rings of Christmas and New Year's be and abide with you always. Amen? Amen. So those of you who have birthdays in December and January, go ahead and stand up. All right, all right, now stand up and remain standing. Those who might have been uh, uh, married in, uh, what month are we in? December or January, go ahead and stand up. And congratulations to my uh, nephew, uh, who was engaged, and to two of my cousins, uh, Nikki and Paige, and also Chris and Jules, uh, who were engaged during this time. Congratulations to you guys, because I know you're listening. And also, hello Elizabeth. God's blessings be upon you. And so, God be with you who have birthdays and anniversaries, or maybe we're engaged during this time. And God be and abide with you always. The rest of us, just go ahead and stand up as well. And Lord, bless you and keep you. The Lord's bright, smiling face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and take you from Bethlehem to Bedlam and beyond. In Jesus' name, amen.